Hey, Crime Sound listeners, welcome back to another episode. My name's Ashley, and with me always is my partner in crime, Ricky. Hey, guys. Hey, so if you're here to find out who the skunk murderer is, we will be talking about that after this week's episode. So be sure to stay tuned. Also, we want to give a quick shout out to our newest patron this week. We have Ashley. Thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah, thanks, We really guys. appreciate it. So let's dive into this week's episode. When Hannah Graham enrolled in the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, she was ready to change the world. She was an avid skier, a straight-A student, and could find a way to make anyone laugh. But when she was brutally murdered in 2014, at the beginning of her sophomore year of school, her family was understandably beyond shocked and devastated. But as the investigation unfolded, Hannah's murder would change the lives of two other families and the town of Charlottesville forever. This case was suggested to us by listener Kelsey. Thanks, Kelsey, for bringing such an important case to our attention. Born on February 25, 1996, Hannah Elizabeth was the second child of John and Sue Graham. Her older brother James was born only a few years early, and the Grahams were thrilled to welcome a daughter into their family. She was born in Reading, Berkshire, England. But in 2001, when she was about five, her family moved to the Washington, D.C. area in America. John Graham had been offered a job as an environmental specialist at the World Bank's International Finance Corporation. Despite moving to a new country, Hannah fit in right away. And according to her teachers, she had a raw intelligence, was naturally curious and eager to learn. To her peers, Hannah was a bubbly, funny girl, very well-liked by all, and she played alto saxophone in the jazz ensemble and marching band at her school, and she was an avid skier. She loved Elvis Presley, a small stuffed animal of a rabbit named Bibi that she had since she was only a week old and always wanted to help others. Hannah was a good kid all around. She was attending West Potomac High School near Alexandria, Virginia, when she first visited the University of Virginia campus in Charlottesville. Even though it was a competitive school to get into, Hannah was hopeful that her straight A's and hard work would pay off, and it did. It was bittersweet for her family when she moved into the dorms on campus for her freshman year in 2013. They were sad to not have her at home anymore, but knowing that she was still close by, they were excited to see her thrive and achieve her dreams in college. At the University of Virginia, Hannah fit in great and quickly made a lot of friends. Her freshman year, she joined the ski team, where she met some of her closest friends. Hannah loved skiing and had a natural talent for it. She met every challenging hill with enthusiasm and even made going down the scariest slope look easy. During her first year of school, she spent time building houses in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, got on the dean's list for stellar grades in biology and chemistry, and participated in a costume skiing race where she hit the slopes in only a back flapper dress with the Union Jack flag tied around her like a cape. Though she knew how to have fun and brought so much joy to those around her, Hannah was working seriously on picking out a future career and focused diligently on her schoolwork. 
In the last email she sent to her father, she had shared that she was intending to declare her major in global health development. The University of Virginia, where Hannah attended, is located in Charlottesville, Virginia, surrounded by beautiful farmland and wineries. The city itself is a melting pot of people. Being in a college town, Charlottesville welcomes people from all over the world to its gorgeous campus and keeps them busy by offering all kinds of restaurants, bars, shopping districts, and historical monuments. In recent years, Charlottesville has been leading the push to reclaim a fraught history of oppression by replacing or removing statues of Confederate soldiers in order to promote and foster racial equality. On the night of Friday, September 12th of 2014, Hannah had gotten ready to go out with some friends from the ski team. It was the start of their second year at the University of Virginia, and everyone was thrilled to be back on campus together. To celebrate, they decided to attend some of the back-to-school parties that were happening that night. At 9.30 p.m., Hannah was seen on surveillance video at the Camden Plaza Apartments, only a few blocks away from where she lived at the Grand Mark Apartments, most likely for a party. By 11.50 p.m., more of her friends gathered at the Camden Plaza Apartments. Hannah only spent a little more time at the apartments, though. About an hour later, Hannah was seen by herself at McGrady's Pub on Grady Avenue in the downtown mall, an area full of bars, restaurants, and shopping. McGrady's is a popular restaurant and bar, and it's usually quite busy on the weekends. According to the video footage, Hannah appeared a bit drunk, stumbling a little as she walked into the pub. Hannah remained at McGrady's for about 15 minutes before walking back outside. Investigators later guessed that she was looking for a friend or someone familiar to her to buy her a drink or keep her company. By 1 a.m., Hannah is captured on video footage from the Shell gas station across the street on Preston Avenue. She was still relatively close to the campus, and the area was quite well lit. On the tape, you can see Hannah running, before slowly starting to back in the direction of the downtown mall. As far as anyone could tell on the security camera footage, there was no visible reason for why she was running. Six minutes later, footage from Sal's Pizza on East Main Street shows a white man walking behind Hannah as he passed by the pizza shop. And another man, quite tall, with dreads and wearing all white, is also seen walking 30 or so yards behind Hannah. By the time she appeared in the next surveillance footage, in front of Tool's Jewelers on East Main, the man with the dreads had caught up to Hannah. Though the footage is grainy, it looked as if he had his arm around her waist. By 1.08 a.m., Hannah and this man enter Tempo Restaurant and Bar on 5th Street. He buys them drinks, but only 15 minutes later, the two are seen leaving the bar together. Neither Hannah nor this man show up on any surveillance footage again. At 1.20 a.m., Hannah texted her friends and said, I'm coming to a party, but I'm lost. This would be the last time that anyone would hear from her. When Hannah didn't reach back out to her friends, and no one could find her in the morning, John Graham, Hannah's dad, not knowing that his daughter hadn't returned the night before, was growing concerned himself about her whereabouts when she didn't reply to his latest email. It just wasn't like her to take so long to reply. 
as the Graham family learned that no one had seen or heard from their daughter since the night before. They knew something was wrong, but they tried to remain hopeful. John recalled wondering if she had just gone off with a boy and would reappear for class on Monday. When Sunday morning came and still no one had heard from Hannah, her friends reported her missing to the police. By September 15th, the Charlottesville police issued a press release for anyone with information related to Hannah's location, or if anyone had seen her matching the description. White, about 5'11", and skinny, with blue eyes, light hair, and freckles. They shared that she had last been seen wearing black pants and a crop top with mesh cutouts. By Tuesday, when she still hadn't showed up, police were putting all of their resources into finding Hannah. After getting the Virginia State Police and the Albemarle County Sheriff's Office involved, investigators began to piece together Hannah's movements the night she went out. They found the footage of Hannah leaving McGrady's that Friday night and narrowed their search down. As more footage of Hannah was uncovered, police grew hopeful that these videos would help them find out what had happened to her. Impatiently waiting, Hannah's family and friends reached out on social media creating a Facebook page called Help Hannah, asking for anyone with information at all to come forward. On Thursday night, after Hannah had been missing for nearly a week, dozens gathered in Hannah's hometown of Alexandria, and even more gathered in Charlottesville for two candlelight vigils. For many in attendance, they held on to hope that Hannah would come home safe. Though it was still unclear what had happened to her, she had been in a well-lit, busy area, and nothing suspicious at this point had turned up to suggest foul play. The following day, however, police issued a statement identifying a person of interest in connection with Hannah Graham's disappearance. The man who had seen Hannah in front of the pizza shop had come forward after seeing the released surveillance footage and hearing that she had gone missing. The witness said that he had followed her because she seemed visibly distressed and that he was concerned for her safety. But after a few moments, another man came up to her. The witness assumed that Hannah knew the man, and he decided that she was fine and left. With Hannah's friends unable to identify who the second man was, police believed that he might know more about what had happened to her after she was last seen on video. A reward of $50,000 was being offered to anyone who could help find Hannah. But after interviewing 50 people and witnesses, investigators struggled to find out where she had gone at the end of the night. As more time went by with no new news about Hannah, more than 1,000 people came out to Charlottesville to form search parties to look for her. With so many volunteers, people were split into groups with staggering start times in order to scour the greater Charlottesville area. Despite such a large turnout, nothing came of these searches. Finally, on Sunday, September 21st, police issued a warrant for Jesse Leroy Matthew, the man they believed was the last to see Hannah Graham alive. 32-year-old Jesse Leroy Matthew, or LJ as most called him, worked as a transporter for the University of Virginia Health System. At 6 foot 2 and 270 pounds, those familiar with Jesse considered him a gentle giant. He had attended Liberty University from 2000 to 2002 and played football there, which he continued to be involved with after he left the school. 
Jesse worked a few other jobs before landing at the University of Virginia, including being a cab driver in the area. Despite being called a gentle giant, Jesse had a record of trespassing, grand larceny, and assault. On the night of September 12th, Jesse Matthew was seen out in the downtown mall, going in and out of bars, sometimes with friends and sometimes alone. In each of the bars that he went to, witnesses recalled seeing him behave inappropriately towards women, touching their hands, their feet, and backs, and bottoms without their consent. When confronted, Jesse became defensive, saying he was only trying to meet girls. And by 1 a.m. after another confrontation with a woman, he closed his tab and left the bar. Based on the video footage, this was around the time he ran into Hannah Graham, intoxicated and alone. After the video footage was released showing Hannah's last known whereabouts on the night of the 12th, a co-worker of Jesse's called the tip line, identifying him as the man who came up to Hannah. The co-worker shared that he knew Jesse drove a burnt orange, fast and the furious type car. An orange car matching the one that Jesse owned had been seen by witnesses in the area that night. One even recalled Hannah and Jesse near the car, with Hannah exclaiming that she didn't want to get into the car. On the 19th of September, in the earlier hours of the morning, police were able to get a warrant to search Jesse's car and asked to speak with him to see what he knew about Hannah's disappearance. Jesse told police that he was really drunk that night and didn't remember what happened. Police tried to ask further questions, but after learning he wasn't under arrest, Jesse Matthew refused to speak to the police anymore, and he went back inside his home without answering. From searching the car, police dogs were able to identify Hannah's scent on the passenger door, under the car, and at a nearby dumpster. With her scent also being located at Jesse's apartment, investigators got a warrant to search inside. They took DNA samples of his phone, clothes, and a cigar butt. They also found the clothes that he was wearing the night Hannah disappeared, and a towel with a reddish-brown stain. The next day, Saturday the 20th, Jesse went to the police station, asking for a lawyer. After being there for an hour, not saying much, Jesse suddenly left the station, speeding away in a manner that earned him a warrant for reckless driving. Initially, the police were only interested in seeing what he knew about Hannah's disappearance, but when he suddenly fled, they became more suspicious. For four days, police searched for him, and when they finally found him, he was in Galveston, Texas. Jesse Matthew was arrested in Texas immediately upon being located. He was charged with abduction with intent to defile, as they didn't know if Hannah was still alive or not. Though the police didn't initially share what they had found in Jesse's apartment that had given him probable cause for an arrest, they announced that they had sent several items to a state lab for DNA forensics testing. When they waited to extradite Jesse Matthew back to Virginia from Texas, startling news came back from the forensics testing. They had matched Jesse's DNA to a missing person's case, but it wasn't Hannah. 
The DNA they gathered from Jesse's apartment matched evidence collected during the investigation into the disappearance of Morgan Harrington, a 20-year-old Virginia Tech student who had gone missing during a Metallica concert hosted at UVA in Charlottesville in 2009. Morgan and Hannah's cases were strikingly similar. Both were young college girls who had gotten separated from their friends while on a night out in Charlottesville. Witnesses had attested to seeing Morgan with a man who looked just like Jesse Matthew right before she vanished. Sadly, Morgan Harrington's body was found on an Albemarle County farm a few months after she disappeared. And in the five years since, her family and investigators have fought tirelessly to figure out who had murdered this young woman. With this new DNA evidence, they finally found her killer. If the connection to Morgan Harrington's murder wasn't enough, police were also able to link Jesse Matthews' DNA to a vicious rape that happened in Fairfax, Virginia in 2005. A woman who has preferred to remain anonymous was walking home from the bookstore when she was attacked on the night of September 24, 2005. Her attacker had carried her to the end of her neighborhood banged her head into the ground and sexually assaulted her. And it was only a passerby that scared him off and stopped this woman from being strangled to death. DNA evidence that had been collected from under her nails proved that her attacker and rapist was Jesse Matthew. With the connection now made between Jesse, Morgan Harrington, and the rape in Fairfax, Hannah's family began to lose hope that they would find their daughter alive. Jesse Matthew remained in jail and police continued to question him for any information on where Hannah was, while also continuing to canvas the areas surrounding his home, the downtown mall where she was last seen, and the area near where Morgan Harrington's body had been found years earlier. On October 18th, over a month since Hannah vanished, human remains were found on an abandoned farm in a remote area of Albemarle County on Old Lurchburg Road. This was 10 miles away from the downtown mall in Charlottesville and six miles away from where Morgan's body had been uncovered. By October 24th, a forensics team was able to confirm that the remains they found belonged to 18-year-old Hannah Graham. With Hannah's remains found, Jesse Matthew was formally charged with murder. In addition, given the DNA evidence gathered in the search, he was also charged with the murder of Morgan Harrington and the sexual assault in Fairfax. His first court appearance was scheduled for December 4, 2014. Given the overwhelming DNA evidence, a grand jury quickly indicted him on a first-degree murder charge and an abduction charge for the case of Morgan Harrington. A month later, he was sentenced to three life sentences for the sexual assault in Fairfax in 2005. After another year of back and forth, prosecutors finalized a plea deal that would withdraw a capital murder charge, a charge that would make the death penalty the maximum sentence. And Jesse Matthew pleaded guilty to two accounts of murder, one for Morgan Harrington and one for Hannah Graham. In exchange for pleading guilty to those crimes, Jesse avoided the death penalty and was given four life sentences. 
Jesse Matthew had been residing in a maximum security prison for his crimes until spring of 2009. And then he was transferred to another state prison in Waverly, Virginia, to receive medical care. Jesse Matthew had been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. Stage 4 colon cancer has about a 14% five-year survival rate after diagnosis. Those odds aren't very good for Jesse. Hannah Graham was an excellent athlete and admirable teammate. Since childhood, Hannah played softball, and in her memory, every year, UVA holds the Hannah Graham Memorial Softball to raise money for charities, stop sexual violence, and to honor the memory of Hannah. After the disappearance of their daughter, Morgan Harrington, Dan and Jill Harrington, Morgan's parents, started a national nonprofit organization in the memory of Morgan. Their organization, Help Save the Next Girl, aims to prevent more violence against young women. They share resources and promote other cases to spread awareness about missing young women. Despite the tragedy that this family suffered, they are channeling their grief to helping others, promoting important legislation, and protecting their communities. You can find more information on their website at helpsavethenextgirl.com. As back-to-school season rolls around, the families of the young women who were senselessly attacked are undoubtedly reminded of what was taken from them. I feel like it's so important to remember to always be aware of your surroundings and stick with your friend group. Without a doubt, there's monsters still lurking, waiting to find the perfect opportunity where they can strike. People like Jesse, sadly, are preying on people who are usually alone. Although it's very scary to them, they see this as an opportunity. While some good came from the loss of Hannah, two families received closure when Jesse Matthew was arrested, we hope that this story will remind you to speak up against sexual harassment whenever you see it. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. All right, so let's jump into the real reason why you guys stayed and listened to the entire episode. The good stuff. (laughs) So uh, we had a few interesting theories on the skunk murder case that we talked about last week. And we both read through each and every one of your comments, and they were extremely entertaining. They were so good. You guys are so funny. Um, I think the majority of our voters said it was Piper. They did. Which is pretty cool. Um, Some people even brought out science. They were like, oh, no, I know it's Piper because Shelties like are more into hunting. <laughs> um, very, very, very cool. That was pretty awesome. And um, there were so many good comments. One of my favorite comments read that it's Piper. I could just feel her attitude, which is totally accurate because Piper is our sassy girl. Like she always has like this attitude. I always feel like she's like rolling her eyes. Definitely. <laughs> I think I like the one that said that it was Piper. They were like, it's definitely gorgeous Piper, but Pudge was the mastermind behind it, which is so true because like that's Pudge. Like Pudge is such an instigator. <laughs> yeah, she's the alpha of the other dogs. So she plays the alpha role. And Poe is our goofball. She's the one who definitely sounded the alarm. So that's her role. She's. I don't think Poe could kill anything. I really don't. I, I think I saw her like 
bite at a fly one time, but it was kind of like, oh, oops, she was I'm probably sorry. crying. She's like, no, don't kill this guy. He's my friend. <laughs> So as promised, we are giving away two crime salad shirts. We will send you a DM on Instagram. And Ricky, do you want to give the ultimate reveal? All right. So the great reveal. Drum roll, please. <laughs> it is Piper. Piper's a killer. Piper was the murderer. She's going to jail. Dog jail. Although I think they are all guilty by association. I think so. <laughs> But thank you guys so much for sharing your theories for the skunk murder case. That was um, a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. If anything crazy, chaotic, which it probably will, jumps in our lives again, we will be sure to share that with you. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.